0: And welcome to the Marie Menu Cherry Show, where energy and medicine meet. We're live here in gorgeous, sunny Seattle. In fact, on my way to the studio, I'm telling Alyssa, my assistant, because we drive together every Thursday, um, usually, hopefully with the with the top open, or I should say the sunroof open and tea in our hands uh, to keep warm. <laughs> but of course, no tea needed today unless it was iced. Um, that we're kind of thinking that we're just going to, after the radio station, we're just going to bag the rest of the day. let's we'll let the clients work on each other. Because um, I'm sure they know what they can do to help one another. Um, they've been they've been educated well, I, I think. Anyway, we're just going to go sit in the sun. What do you think, Eric?
1: That sounds like a good yeah. plan to me. It's a beautiful day, gorgeous. And, uh, it's going to be very warm today. It's <gasps> Supposed to be around 80 degrees, and then tomorrow's supposed to get up to like 86. So, awesome. everybody that thought, oh, the fall is in the air, well, you know, <laughs> welcome back to summer. <laughs> we still back. got a few more days of it. know. Yeah.
0: So, do you want to like just skip out on the radio station too and just join us out in the sun? I would love to do that. Oh. I, I'm not sure that I can, but uh, (laughs) I would love to. (laughs) And, of course, we're not going to really. uh, So, you know, if you are scheduled to come to my house after the radio (laughs) station, please come because I will be there. Uh, But, yeah, it's really gorgeous. And then on Monday, uh, Alyssa and I – well, actually, yeah, Monday night we take off for the Red Eye to Boston so I can give a talk on intuitive self-healing at the Trident Bookstore at 7 p.m. So we're looking very forward to that. And then the next day in the afternoon, we're going to drive to Squam in New Hampshire, where I'm going to teach two separate workshops on creativity and intuition. So um, I I guess it might start raining, though, in Seattle on Monday. So, you know, I I hope that doesn't happen, but I guess we'll be in the sunshine on the East Coast, hopefully, anyway.
1: (laughs) Having a bowl of steaming chowder <laughs> there you
0: go. exactly we're going to be on beautiful squam lake in new hampshire so i heard that there's fun swimming and um on saturday they're having a big book fair so if you um, happen to be around and are interested you can go to my website at energyintuitive.com and click on the events page and find all about squam and the book fair i guess everyone is invited and apparently many many authors come to this book fair so you'd have a chance to meet hopefully up a favorite of yours, and maybe get a book signed if you would like.
1: Sounds like a lot of fun. Doesn't it? Hey, uh, let me ask you, because we have been talking about the presidential horse race. Oh,
0: right. Horse race. (laughs) The
1: the Democratic uh, National Convention has been taking place this week, and President Obama speaks tonight. Last (gasps) week was the Republican National Convention. I'm just wondering if you caught any of it.
0: I I didn't catch the Republican. You know, I I am a a true, true liberal here in the blue state. Um, And it wasn't gossipy enough for me to catch anything. So that would have to rein me in. I have caught snippets of some of the speakers. I am so looking forward to Obama's speech. um, So I will be listening to that with all ears And uh, yeah. And how about you? Did you catch anything that you enjoyed?
1: You know, I got to admit, I kind of enjoyed Clint Eastwood's speech because it was such a train wreck. It was (laughs) it was amazing. They had, you know, him debating uh, a chair and and seeming very confused as he did it. And so uh, supposedly in the chair was the imaginary President Obama. Which was really interesting. So I, I'm hoping that the Democrats do one better and have Betty oh. White debate a throne I that has the a imaginary idea. Mitt Romney great I think
0: that's a great idea. <laughs> so how are you feeling about the election? I've had a few friends who I haven't emailed them back. I'm a little worried. Who's going to win the election? Right, right. You know. So, how are you feeling about it?
1: Well, I feel confident that we've got a, a very good candidate. And if you saw Michelle Obama's speech, you, you think like, "Wow, she could have been president." She, <laughs> she's so you know. You are
2: so
0: kind. I I couldn't agree more. I mean, we're ready for a woman in the White House. But yeah. she was wonderful.
1: She was fantastic. Her speech was great. And uh, and I, I feel like you know we've got good chances uh, for Democrats. Uh, you know, and I. I I don't feel like the Republicans side really laid out any ideas at all, mm-hmm. you know, except for let's go back to what we just did for eight years with George <laughs> Bush. So it, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I, I personally think that uh, Obama is going to take it by a, a fair majority uh, of the uh, country. But- You never know. You know, you never know. Certainly been wrong before. I know. Can't be complacent. That's what we know for (laughs) sure.
0: Right? Yeah. So we hope that whoever you vote for, because what's most important is that Americans get out there and vote for their candidate of their choice. Right. It's very healthy for us. So we hope that you get out there and and vote um, come November because that's going to be really exciting. Mm-hmm. Very exciting. Well, Thursday, of course, here on the radio and KKW, 1150 AM for all you local Seattle people. You get to listen to it on your radio, in your car. Hopefully, if we do any meditations or anything like that, you pull over to the side of the road. The rest of you in Seattle are probably at work cheating unless you're allowed to listen to radio. And then, of course, for everyone else in the country around the world, you can listen to us from energyintuitive.com and also from KKW's. Website, which is
1: 1150kknw.com, where you can also watch the show I know, live. Video. Now. Yeah. yeah, I
0: have to wear lipstick now in the studio and make sure my hair looks okay. And
1: and you look great. Oh, and, thank you, you. and you're on camera and you're looking good. Oh my good.
0: gosh. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> next week,
1: we have an encore edition because really? you're <laughs> yeah, traveling. So I'll be traveling, people yes. won't get to see you live in the studio that no, day. They'll that's just true. have to imagine. You'll
0: just have to imagine and imagine me looking good, please, because uh, that, that's <laughs> what I would like. So, as part of today's show, I have the honor and the privilege interviewing again Bill Bankston. He's a professor of sociology at St. Joseph's College in New York and president of the Society for Scientific Exploration, an international group of scientists who study uniqueness in the world. And, and of course, his area of specialty includes research and methods and statistics. And for over 25 years, Dr. Bangston has been doing research on healing and has numerous publications in the Journal of Scientific Exploration, the Journal of Alternative and Complementary Medicine, and Explore. In addition, he has lectured widely throughout the United States and Europe. His research has produced the first successful cures of transplant mammary glands, um, cancer, excuse me, and um, sarcomas in experimental mice by laying on of hands. Of course, one of my favorite things in the world to do. Um, Techniques that he helped to develop, which I can't wait to talk about. He has also investigated assorted um, correlations to healing um, many of them, which we'll talk about as well. He has recently published a memoir, the book that I'm holding up right now for you, those of you on camera. I'm um, watching the camera, The Energy Cure, Unraveling the Mystery of Hands-On Healing. So welcome back to the show, Dr. Bangston. Thank Thanks for the invitation. Sure. Thank you. And you're on campus today in New York at Joseph's College in your office, um, getting ready for, or has the semester already begun?
3: Second day of the semester. Oh my goodness. Uh, so we're in the dreary east. I heard your intro, and I, I've actually never heard Seattle and sunny used together <laughs> in the same <laughs> sentence. We've had. F- but you have the sun today. We, we have do. clouds and dreary. Oh. Yeah.
0: <laughs> We've had 44 days of no rain, which is unusual for this part wow. of the world. Um, wow. my, my my water bill is a little high because I'm a lover of plants, so I have uh, hundreds of them <laughs> throughout my yard. Um, so, yeah, uh, if you get bored or gloomy, you can head over to the West Coast and hang out with sure. us, have some tea. Um, <laughs> yes. So so really, this book, I mean, it's a very fascinating read because it talks about your history of what got you into the healing world, which is, of course, a fluke, which I think is very true for a lot of people who work in the healing industry. It wasn't like on their radar it wasn't no, a plan, right? And, and you you And you were young. I think you had just finished either your bachelor's or your master's degree. I can't remember which one.
3: Bachelor's degree, yeah. Your
0: bachelor's degree. And you were working as a lifeguard, is that correct?
3: Yep, yep, yeah. yep. That, that's what most people do, get, go to college. You know, <laughs> get jobs as lifeguard.
4: that's what I was doing.
0: Yeah. And you met this strange young man, or maybe he was a little bit older than you, actually, because he was married, um, Ben, as you referred to him in your book, and he was a psychic, actually.
3: Yes, and he had just discovered, uh, so he told me, that uh, eight months earlier he was able to do psychic readings, and I thought that was interesting, and I don't usually default to belief, so I wanted to test him right away. (laughs) And So I I gave him things to do readings on and, and just skeptically watched and tried to confirm or deny the kinds of things he said, and he was Remarkably on the money. I mean, it was it was startling the the way he was on the money, and he was untrained, unskilled, at least in terms of uh, developing developing the skills. And this thing just kind of popped into his life uh, eight months earlier. So he told me, I didn't know him then. He was forty eight years old.
0: Wow. Yes, he was quite a bit older than you. And yeah. and, and it, it, that it sounds
3: was... young though to me now. You know, so. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I agree. I, I've passed that threshold myself as well. Um, yeah. yeah no, it, it definitely sounds young but but nevertheless, you were much younger, you were half his age and yeah. um, and he was married and and he was kind of uh, i mean he sounds like such a very unique character, you know uh, he sounds to me like he had very poor self esteem and didn't really feel goal oriented in his life, but yet he has this extraordinary gift
3: yeah I, w- I would call it a gift he called it a curse mm. um, it, it really depends on the way you want to interpret it because um, he found it to be a curse because uh, his sense was that people didn't want him to be able to do the kinds of things he could do and mm-hmm. and he experienced enormous amounts of rejection I mean wow uh, uh, he was a uh, he had a very healthy ego you know, he called himself an egomaniac and um, he he, uh, he he experienced rejection wherever he went uh, he would do readings and people would become threatened by them mm-hmm. Um When he turned into a healer, which was uh, fairly spontaneous, uh, people rejected that, too. Mm -hmm. And so wherever he went, he didn't fit into any box. Mm -hmm. He didn't fit into any mold that people could say, oh, you're a such-and-such, and and, Mm -hmm. and, and then you could be comfortable with him. He was just a very weird fellow with no teacher, um, kind of finding his way in the world um, with these abilities, gifts, or curses that um, I I had never heard a precedent to.
0: Wow. You know, I wonder what it would be like if he had been that age today, you know, because it's a very different realm now for intuitives and healers. Oh, where, very much, right? very much. Yeah.
3: Yeah, uh, I, I think it, in a real sense, his story is uh, part tragedy, uh, because, uh, you know, you talk about someone being ahead of their time, um, and, and sometimes people mean that as a compliment, but Being ahead of your time is a bad thing also. Uh, That means you don't fit, um, and you're going to struggle quite a bit. Mm -hmm. So I even took him uh, against his uh, wishes. Uh, I took him kicking and screaming uh, into some of the parapsychological research labs. Right. So I dragged him down to the American Society for Psychical Research. I dragged him to... Maimonides Medical Center in Brooklyn, where they had a parapsychology lab, I dragged them, I dragged them all over the place, uh, trying to get to the bottom of what was going on. <laughs> to and, see. and even, even the parapsychologists rejected him.
0: <laughs> and why is that? Why did they reject him? They couldn't believe it. Oh, like he was too accurate. It was too much. Mm-hmm. They
3: they couldn't do it. So something was wrong, and mm-hmm. and it was really it was astonishing because the complaint within the field of parapsychology at the time. Was that you needed a reliable, repeatable subject, a reliable, repeatable experiment? And the the complaint which existed very strongly then, and to some extent still, is that uh, when you try to take these gifts or curses and you put them, uh, subject them to laboratory conditions, oftentimes they're not particularly reliable under these uh, artificial conditions. Mm-hmm. And, and this guy would walk into the lab and just do his stuff. And, uh, I mean, we we hooked them up to, for example, EEG machines, and the readings, they said, were impossible. The machines must be broken. Wow. Uh, uh, since that time, other people have replicated, but it, he was, again, at least 30 years ahead of his time. Wow. And, and even the parapsychologists said, well, this can't be. You know, the, the data output are, are not possible. You can't have high beta function at the same time you're having a theta output. Uh-huh. Uh, since that time that's not considered right. impossible but at the time it was no this can't be, you know, get away.
0: Right. I think that having a very high theta um, energy is crucial and very important in the healing world. You know, for the healer to have that in his or her mind is incredibly important. At least I believe that.
3: And um, what would happen is he would go into this uh, very spontaneously. He didn't do anything. Uh, right. So if you you'd put an object in his hand and he was going to start to do something, some psychometry, then his brain pattern just changed. Mm-hmm. It, it wasn't anything that he, he was trying to do. Uh, mm-hmm. in, in, he wasn't meditating. He wasn't uh, seeking anything. It just happened to him. And the, and the parapsychologist said, no, this can't be.
0: Wow. Wow. So despite, you know, the craziness or the interest, because you were having, I'm sure, a fabulous and wonderful time hanging out with this guy, that, it
3: was interesting. <laughs> yeah,
0: and really, even though you know you could call the story tragic, or that his gifts, per Ben's words, were a curse for him, it really led you on your path
3: enormously. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, Th- this guy was a fork in my life path, mm-hmm. and uh, as you pointed out, I didn't seek it. Uh, it kind of fell in my lap, and the the when, when you see these kinds of extraordinary phenomena. I mean, one thing you can do is just say, well, this is too nutty and walk away, which is what most people did. And I I couldn't let it go. Mm -hmm. It it was just, uh, it got my attention to the point where I I had to find out I had to keep going.
0: Wow, that's amazing. And so then you went on to get your master's degree. and, And did you do that in sociology as well?
3: I did that, and yes. I got a master's and a Ph.D., both in sociology.
0: Wow, yeah. wow. And when did you start? Because um, Ben believed that you had healing abilities. That's what he told you. And he believed in that for you. So when did you start utilizing those abilities?
3: Well, I watched him uh, doing, uh, when he morphed into a healer, mm-hmm. um, and I was the first person he ever healed. I used to have a bad back right. and uh, put his hands on my back and we i mean we neither of us really had any idea what we were doing i was simply in pain one day and he um uh, i i said he was picking up the pain he didn't know it was mine so he was walking around holding his own back and i told him that it actually it's mine and uh, he, he said, uh, Keep your pen to yourself. And uh, I said, Better idea, fix it. <laughs> That's I said, I got funny. a better idea, fix it. <laughs> and, and and he said, How? And I said, I don't know. Uh, so I, I leaned over on a. I mean, you got to see, you know, two completely clueless people going through this. Cause uh, it sounds we, so
0: much fun, really.
3: We didn't have any idea what we were doing. So <laughs> I'm leaning over on a kitchen table. And uh, I, I, I bent over and I said, put your hands on my back. And I, and he said, and then what? And I mm-hmm. said, just fix the damn thing. <laughs> and he said, how? And I said, I don't know. Uh, just do it. And so he put his hands on my back and weird stuff started to happen immediately. And that literally was the last time I ever had a back pain.
0: Wow. I just think that is phenomenal and amazing. And, um, you know, I think that people who have strong empathy and their ability to feel others, they can sense when other people are having pain. And when you have the ability to help it heal, I think the pain in someone else's body kind of jumps in yours so that you'll have some realization that another person is in pain because our our bodies are talking to each other all the time, communicating whether we're aware of it or not.
3: Yeah. And, 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 oh, I, I I particularly like the last thing you said. So. Since, I mean, uh, many years later, I, I've, uh, I've demonstrated that using EEGs and functional MRIs. Uh, mm. So I have, I have a paper that, uh, that shows two brains going into phase lock
4: at mm. a distance,
3: but it's not conscious. Mm. So I'm, I'm focusing in on the, your last part where you said not necessarily consciously aware. And I have uh, a whole lot of EE, uh, of functional MRI data that indicates the same thing. Wow. That the, these reliable effects of a linking between two people occur, uh, even if the people aren't consciously aware.
0: Right. You know, the and first... I
3: think, I, Go I ahead. I think we've spent too much time looking at the conscious awareness <laughs> rather than looking at what is actually going on within us.
0: Right. And I, I think that's absolutely true. I think that as healers, that's our job, too, is to get completely out of the way, not um, control what's happening. Because things could be happening way outside of our consciousness on a completely different level that can affect positively something here in the physical realm that we wouldn't understand or even understand how it happened. You know, the very first time I felt pain in my body that wasn't mine that I had an awareness of— was when I was a nurse, and of course we were charting our patients' pain all the time. We knew what hurt and what level it was at, and they were on pain medication. I was an oncology nurse, and I started laying hands on patients in the hospital, and I would have these just weird shooting pains in parts of my body while I was laying hands on people, areas where they had not commented negatively about pain in their body. And sometimes cancer patients just don't want to complain anymore. They're tired of it. They're already medicated Maybe they feel even over-medicated. And so the last thing they want to do is complain about an aching back or, you know, a sore neck. And um, and so that's how – at first I thought it was my own body. You know, oh, my gosh, all of a sudden I have this, you know, crushing back pain um, or some other pain in my body. And sure enough, it was really the patient, although we had no clue, even though we'd been asking them every shift – how would you rate your pain? You know, so yeah. I found that fascinating. And then we could, you know, in many cases, we really needed to provide better um, mattresses for them because really they're they're laying down so long that I think that that attributed to their pain.
3: Yeah, and I, I think the the important, most important thing, um, uh, I agree with you, is to get out of the way.
4: So mm-hmm.
3: when, when my back was initially fixed, uh, there was no. Ritual, there was no instruction manual, there was no you know essentially it was just do it and, exactly and how would you do it? I mean really consciously uh, i't I, don't, I wouldn't know what to do. he right. didn't know what to do right. he put his hands on and just kind of let it go
0: exactly
3: and, and nature took its course absolutely and, uh, I think if he had tried, I'm speculating here, but I think if he had tried, I suspect it wouldn't have had the same uh, effect
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, he, I, he I was, completely agree. He was
3: strong enough to just not try. And, 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 <laughs> ah. and that takes a certain amount of ego.
0: Oh, ah. or lack of ego. You know, I, I, I think that ego and fear are synonymous. So I, I do too. Okay. So, yeah, but you're right in terms of having that strong focus, you know, on on maybe in, in that moment to be able to be detached, because there, there is that place where you have to get out of the way. and. And there is a, a kind of a focus toward towards it, although ultimately you want to be completely unfocused. So yeah, it's, completely. Yeah,
3: and 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 so almost everything we do is not conscious.
4: Wow, I agree. almost
3: everything we do, and and so before just before uh, you called here into my office,
4: mm-hmm.
3: I was eating an apple. Now I don't know how to digest an apple. <laughs> what 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 would my concentration help? <laughs> right, <laughs> what, right. What does it matter? Uh, because I I just. Let nature take its course. I'm eating an apple. I like apples, and and there I go. But my body will take care of the whole thing. I, I think the same is true in healing. Mm-hmm. Your conscious awareness is <clears throat> perhaps stroking your own ego a little bit uh, if you need that. But if you're sufficiently an egomaniac like this guy was, then he doesn't need it, and he can just let nature take its course.
0: Wow. Wow. Wonderful. Well, I'm having the pleasure of interviewing um, Bill Bankston. Uh, your name is really William, but you like to be called Bill. Is that correct? Yep. Yeah. Yep. You are the author of The Energy Cure, um, which presents astonishing evidence that challenges us to totally rethink what we believe about our ability to heal. We're going to take a break here on the Re-Manu Cherry Show. We'll be right back.
3: You are always supported. You are never alone. From before you were born and throughout your whole life, you are accompanied by your spirit guides. Making contact with your spirit guides is just the first step on an extraordinary path to discovery. To find out how to make contact with the forces that have always been watching over you, join Marie at her Spirit Guide Workshop, Saturday,
2: October 13th, at the Lake Union Courtyard. This interactive day-long workshop will help reveal how you can deepen your relationship with your guides and increase their role in your life. Register online at energyintuitive.com or call 425-825-5671. There's an exciting new astrology hour, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. with Deborah Silverman.
1: Deborah's unique blend of psychology and astrology turns planetary language into plain English. Join us for an interactive hour that's guaranteed to give you personal insights in a fun and entertaining way. Tune in to Deborah Silverman Live. Whatever your life question, marriage, job, family, relocation, or just curiosity, call for a live reading Tuesdays at 5 p.m. and visit Deborah's website at
2: DebraSilvermanAstrology.com. Do you live on the East Coast or have the desire to travel there in the near future? Marie will be headed your way in September to teach at Squam in New Hampshire. What is Squam, you ask? Squam Retreats bring great people together at a beautiful venue to focus on creativity and self-expression. This fall, Marie will be teaching two workshops on intuition and creativity. Come join Marie at Squam, September 12th through 16th. For more information, please visit squamartworkshops.com. Don't forget, this is Alternative Talk, 1150 a.m.
0: So welcome back to the Marine Manu Cherry Show. I have the pleasure and the honor of interviewing Bill Bankston. He is a sociology professor in New York. Um, and in fact, you're in your beautiful Joseph College office. I don't, is it beautiful your college office? It
3: actually is. Yeah, oh. it's, not, it's not. It's not. shabby. The weather things, <laughs> but uh, the office isn't shabby.
0: Oh, <laughs> and how long have you been there at Saint Joseph's oh, College?
3: I think about two hundred years. Um, <laughs> actually, I actually don't know. I think about thirty years or so.
0: Wow, that's a very long time. They must love you there.
3: Um, or they're sick of me, and I have tenure anyway. You know, so it's it
0: could it go <laughs> They can't way. get rid of you, right? They just That's right. it's not going to like happen. A bad penny or something, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, in the book, um, eventually, you and Ben, this man who brought you on a path that you were not planning—a path of healing—and you've dedicated really uh, much of your life to exploring through scientific evidence and experiments, which is phenomenal and unfortunately rare in our country. We don't have enough money, I believe. Um, accredited in that way. It, it, we have way too much going into pharmacology, I think, and we need to have a going oh, into yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh,
3: bravo to you. Bravo. Yeah.
0: Sad, sad, <laughs> sad. Um, but eventually the two of you parted ways, and it sounded like um, that it had a little bit to do with Lillian's story, which was um, a patient that both of you were working on who, when she first came to you, she was quite, quite ill.
3: Yeah, she uh, uh, She had, she was very young. Mm-hmm. She was a nurse.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, and the friend, the friend of a friend of mine, that's how I actually, uh, uh, heard of her. And she, uh, had aches and pains and some suspicious lumps and, uh, everything showed every place that she was examined, she had cancer.
0: Oh my she, she gosh. Was like a,
3: she was like a cancer factory. Uh, uh, so they did exploratory surgery, opened up and they couldn't find a place she didn't have cancer. Wow. And so, I mean, that was that was pretty ugly. And and uh, so they were, I mean, what what can you do? Well, I mean, in the real world, you really can't do anything. But uh, (laughs) if you've got nothing to try, then you're going to try everything. And so the medical establishment wanted to try everything. And before that happened, um, she came uh, uh, by way of she came to Ben, uh, not believing this stuff, but having not much of a plan B, Uh, and Ben and I helped a little bit, but Ben uh, treated her very, very extensively for a number of days, and she went back uh, and had the tests, some of the tests again, and there was no sign of cancer at all. Wow. None at all.
4: Couldn't find any,
3: and and so all the tests were negative, and the oncologist said that's impossible.
4: You Mm -hmm. can't
3: have cancer of the body and then suddenly be cured. That's silly, and so you know, she was given extremely high dosages of radiation and chemotherapy, mm-hmm. and um, she died of heart failure.
0: Right, and and especially you know at that cancer-free, time, cancer-free, cancer-free was treated, and especially at that time, the way we treated cancer was, even though our drugs are still incredibly harsh, um, it was even more intense. I think in that time period, in terms of radiation. It was it was yeah,
3: simply brutal, mm-hmm. and 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 we tried to treat the effect of the treatment, mm-hmm. um, and and we couldn't. Uh, I mean, I, I, Ben certainly was not a match for a radiation dosage, you know, uh-huh. over a certain threshold, and and so when someone is radiated that much, uh, he couldn't prevent the lung from getting burnt. Uh, she actually had a uh, lung taken out; it was looked like it was charcoal, and she died of heart failure.
4: Uh, uh-huh
3: he wasn't stronger than
4: the drugs. Mhm. Mhm.
0: And and so that kind of began the separation for I'm sure multiple reasons between you and Ben and you you guys aren't uh, acquaintances any longer. Is that true?
3: No, we we went our separate ways. Uh he he wanted to do something very drastically different. Uh he couldn't take I mean by that point uh by the time uh, the case you're talking about came along we had done dozens of cancer patients, mm-hmm. um, and there would always be a similar—I mean, not, not as extreme. That, that's an extreme uh, anecdote, uh, but, but there would always be a difficulty on the medical side, uh, the doctors said what happened can't be happening. We have to uh, give conventional treatment anyway. And Ben was getting really, really sick of it, uh, and I don't blame him. But mm-hmm. uh, he, he was being rejected even after being successful in the healings. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the patients didn't know what to do with that because here you had this crazy guy uh, doing this laying on of hand stuff. And at right. the same time, the, the doctors were telling him, no, you can't do that, and on and on. And so he wanted to run and i I was taking the frustration, and my outlet for the frustration was to hit the laboratory, so I wanted to find out uh, in the case of i mean we had seen dozens and dozens of cancer patients get cured, but the question was what was doing it mm-hmm. if someone comes to me and it's a person and they're living their normal life and they uh and I put my hands on and um after X amount of times doing that, uh, they go back and they find out that there's been drastic improvement or cure or whatever it might be. It's really hard to figure out why, why that occurred. Right. So did it happen because of me? Does it happen because now they're paying attention? Did it happen because they, they got a healthier diet because now they're taking care of themselves? Maybe they started to exercise. Maybe they ate grapefruit. Maybe they – you know mm-hmm. you don't know. People right. are very complicated. <laughs> and so you have pre and post – Right, but you don't know what happened in between.
0: Right, and so is that why you started to use mice?
3: That's why I went into the lab. Yeah, Yeah,
0: because they're not going to change their diet unless you change it for them. They're not going to exercise more unless you put a wheel in there or make some crazy maze. You know, they're a control group, if you will.
3: And they don't believe in the stuff. Yeah, so it's a beautiful model because no matter how much I try to talk to them, they just look at me and, (laughs) and they they don't seem to believe one way or the other, and they you know. They're not complicated, so fix me. Okay. And, and so this is really where Ben and I went our separate ways
4: because mm-hmm.
3: he wanted to try to figure out the clinical route, and I threw my hands up and said, we're not going to find anything out. We're simply going to, we're asking ourselves to be rejected.
4: Wow. And
3: in, instead of asking for rejection, because nobody wanted this stuff, instead of asking for rejection, let's go find out what goes on. So we then took a mouse model, that had had uh, thousands and thousands of experiments on them literally oh. thousands
0: Poor babies
4: and,
3: and there was no oh yeah it's <laughs> gruesome work it really is gruesome
4: i bet and
3: and it's it's hard to do because yeah. uh there's no there's no alternative mm
0: mm-hmm. mhm well so, at this moment in time right it's the best alternative that you know of at this t- time in our I don't evolution know of any. right
3: yeah mm-hmm. i don't know of any mm mm-hmm. mhm and and so uh, uh we had a mouse model that that we knew was 100% fatal we knew how long they'd die after they were given cancer and how long they'd live and 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 everybody knew that it, it's it's all around in the published literature if you any biologist would know exactly what I was talking about if I gave the you know the technical stuff of the mice, and they would go, oh, yeah, I know those mice, <laughs> and and so we worked on those, and and so as I said, it, it's a nice simple model. You know everything about them. You know how many, how much they're in the light, the dark, what they eat, um, and we we treated the cages of mice, and the mice were cured.
5: Wow! But
3: they got cured faster than the people.
0: Wow! Wow! That and that cured, is amazing. I mean, real,
3: I mean, really cured. I right. used to say, I used to say remitted, but it's not a remission. I was corrected because it's not like it, they get better; they're cured and they're cured for life. It, they, there's never been a single case of a, of a recurrence of the cancer.
0: Right. That that is and, amazing.
3: And you can't give it to them again. So they've we've even re-injected some of them.
0: Oh my gosh! I love that. I just they, love that.
3: They can't be given cancer.
0: Oh, I just love that. I love it. That yeah. makes me very happy. It's interesting. It's very interesting. And you help cure them through just hands-on healing.
3: Yeah, only that. Wow. So Ben and I went our separate ways because of that, because he wasn't really interested in lab work. Mm-hmm. And um, he didn't think that it had any, if it was going to be very fruitful, I, I did. And uh, so we went our separate ways. And he went off into the sunset and... Doing whatever he did and I went off into my experimental world. Yeah, and, which is amazing.
0: Uh, and how many experiments have you done with energy healing and lab rats or mice um in the last twenty five years?
3: The the full full lifespan with mice, formal studies, uh I have a dozen. Wow. Um and then there's many, many, many other kinds of studies, uh, many mm. in vitro studies on cells and bacteria and, and all those kinds. So I have many dozens of those because they're simple to pull off.
4: You know, mm. they're, they're
3: quick, down and dirty. The mice stuff is hard to do because it's hard to set up. You have to get through animal committees. Uh, mm. Mice live two years, and you know all that kind of thing. It, it, it's 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 kind of a, a pretty extensive uh, operation to set one of these things up.
0: Wow, that's amazing! So, do you still work on patients?
3: Um, I I've done people from time to time, but for the most part, no. Uh, okay. my, my my passion is the lab,
4: uh-huh.
3: um, and uh, uh, it's it, it's pretty interesting. I I would be interested in a clinical trial, uh-huh. but I can't get approval for a clinical trial anywhere. Wow! I've had I've had invitations from uh, several hospitals. But the problem is that um, if you're dealing with people, at least in the places I've I've been invited, which includes both the U.S. and Canada, you have to give conventional chemotherapy and radiation. Right. And, to, to cancer patients.
0: And that's not. I mean, you prefer to work with someone before they have conventional treatment.
3: I'd only do that. Right. Yeah. Uh, right. Whatever, for whatever reason, and I don't fully understand it. Mine is not. A particularly good complementary approach, right? It's, well, it's I just an alternative,
0: right? It, it is an alternative, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, and it,
3: but it doesn't. It doesn't work as a complementary. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, and, it's, and there, there there are people, perhaps yourself, who who can do this stuff right. as a complement uh, to conventional stuff. I for I I don't know really the reason, but it's a clue. Right.
4: Um,
3: I I don't seem to be able to do it, neither could Ben. So. Yeah, there are. I, I'm I'm grateful for people who can do it as a compliment. I can't. I can only do it as an alternative.
0: What um what I have found interesting in my own practice is that, and most people have seen who come to see me, they've already done everything. The majority of them, you know, so you know, I'm kind of their last ditch effort. I'm thrilled when I get someone before they actually do conventional yeah. treatments, and and yeah. I do love to work with patients who get conventional treatment as well. I like to help them through that, and I'm always amazed and surprised how incredibly well they do. With um, holistic medicine as a partner for them, but when I, I've had some patients, because as you know, chemotherapy is a carcinogenic, so unfortunately, it can create other cancers, sure. e- even if if the first one goes away from treatment, you know, from conventional treatment. And so yeah. I've had a few clients who, probably about six that I can think of, who um, you know made it through what what the decisions that they made the first time around. And then, unfortunately, did get cancer again. But decided to do absolutely no treatment, and their cancer went away on its own.
5: Is that right? Yeah. Really interesting. So
0: so I find that fascinating. But it was a decision that they made. You know, it's a big choice, a big decision. But they were, um, they, their cancers went away, and they didn't do any second round of, or I don't know how many rounds they had the first time, but they didn't go back in with conventional treatment. And I, I just find that fascinating. I almost wonder if it's a mindset that. You know, of of course, I like to think that energy work helps enormously, but I think how a person can get to that state of mind where they can have faith in their healing and believe that they don't need harsh chemicals to be well. um, I I think that's fascinating.
4: So I I,
3: I think a couple of reactions. One, I I, I think it's uh, really interesting that you're able to do this. I, I, for example, don't seem to be able to, Mm -hmm. uh, nor have the persons I've I've trained uh, seem to be able to do it. Uh, they, they too, work as an alternative. And I, I don't know why that is.
0: I think part um, of it, because I was an oncology nurse, so I'm very comfortable. I mean, even though I hope that I would choose alternatives if I were faced with cancer, but I don't know yeah. for sure what I would do. I can't say for sure because I haven't had that choice. Um, sure. at this point in my life, and I hope that I won't. But again, I don't know what I would do for sure. But I think because I'm very comfortable with it, and I can see, I allow myself, myself to see the beauty in it as well, which I think allows, perhaps, um, for energy to flow through regardless. Um, but I don't know yeah, for and, sure. I don't know.
3: Yeah. And and I'm I'm completely comfortable with treating cancer. Mm. Um, but I, mm. I, I don't know whether it's self imposed a limitation, you know, it's a very interesting question. It is. Uh, as it I is. recoil to uh, <laughs> chemotherapy and radiation. Right. Maybe right. maybe it's my maybe it's my problem, you know, M- and, might and, be and you interesting. don't have that
0: Right, maybe it'll be interesting to fall in love with a bag of chemotherapy and uh, (laughs) on an energetic level and see how it affects. Um, What I'd love to do, Bill, is go to the phone lines because we have people, um, a few of them even outside of Washington, who have questions. And I always love it when I have a guest because then people get someone else's viewpoint, which I always think is lovely. So, who do we have on on the phone lines, Eric?
1: We've got Owen calling from North Carolina. His dad's having health problems, so. Let's uh, bring Owen on the air with us live and see what we can do for him.
5: Hello, Marie and Bill. Hey.
0: Hey, Owen. How are you?
5: I'm good. How are you?
0: Great. Thank you.
5: Good. Well, this talk is uh, pretty fitting because
3: I just wanted to call in uh, and ask about my dad who has been having some uh, health problems for a while now. He was Diagnosed with prostate cancer about mm-hmm. over ten years ago,
4: mm-hmm. and
3: in the last couple of years, has been uh, having some pretty severe trouble, like with his bladder, and just going to the bathroom is really uncomfortable, and it's just really kind of uh, been really uncomfortable in his life. And I was just wondering uh, if you could give me any insight
4: um, on if you could read his energy or mm-hmm. whatever. Sure.
0: And and so, Bill, what? Do you have any um, wonderful tips um, to help his dad, to help Owen's dad?
3: Well, I can speak of uh, just anecdotally my experience in the clinical world, and the you started out by talking about uh, prostate cancer, mm-hmm. and I and, and saying you diagnosed ten years ago, and um, that's that's pretty typical that that it's a very slow moving cancer,
4: mm-hmm.
3: and what I found uh, interestingly is that. Slow-growing cancers are hard to fix.
0: Mm. Interesting.
3: They come in slow, and they tend to go out slow. Mm.
4: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: And
3: and so, uh, if if a cancer takes ten years to develop into something that's uh, particularly uh, hazardous to your health, then it it may take years and years uh, to get rid of it. Uh, Mm. That's been healing to me. It's almost like you reverse the direction of the process but the energy itself comes from the disease. Right. So if I were to compare, say, a prostate cancer in a clinical setting, and I suspect in an experimental setting, versus, say, a pancreatic cancer, the wow. pancreatic yeah. cancer is, is much simpler to do.
0: Really? Because it's, it's so aggressive.
3: Pancre- exactly. It's only pancreatic cancer. You can't sweat the small stuff because it comes wow. in like a freight train. Right. So it leaves like a freight train.
0: Wow.
3: You're amazing. Because the, energy, the energy is from the cancer. So, right. so I think the, the, the healing comes from the healee, right. not the healer.
0: Right, I agree.
4: Mm-hmm. And
3: so the energy of the system a prostate cancer has very little oomph behind it, mm. and it kind of takes baby steps in. And, and if you do treatments, it takes baby steps out. A pancreatic cancer comes in like a freight train. And so all you need to do is turn it around, and it leaves like a freight train.
0: Wow. So wow. the
3: more aggressive, the easier.
0: Wow. Uh, you know, prostate cancer, because um, I've had the honor of working on thousands of people and I did all my training on my own in a hospital. That's how I learned energy medicine through my clairvoyance and laying hands on you know, several hundred people in about um, a year's time. I had a wonderful time, by the way. And prostate cancer is a disease of, um, of guilt, believe it or not. Generally, I would say the The majority of the men that I've worked in um, with prostate cancer, and thankfully, I'm trying to find wood to knock on all successfully, but there's no wood in here, so (laughs) I'm knocking on plastic. Um, And I do agree with Bill. People heal themselves. They just may need direction so that they can get there. So all the men that I've worked with, most of them, I should say, they really had no— good reason to feel guilty. Of course, I think guilt is not a healthy energy anyway, but it gets stored in the pelvic cavity and sometimes it can go into the prostate gland. That's what we I've noticed about men. And so there's actually a mantra that your father could use. I'm actually working on his lower back um, because he's uh, very uncomfortable and he's not happy. And so my energy went to him immediately and I'm just working on the org field behind him and in his lumbar spine area and trying to relieve some pressure there that he's not telling you the full story, by, by the way of his discomfort, um, so, uh, there's this gorgeous mantra. What you do is have your dad lay down for 10 minutes a day and to, he can repeat this. It's actually in my book in chapter three. It's in the exercise section, but for have to have him repeat out loud or silently out loud would be better. He can even say it as a whisper. Um, but the mantra is, I have always done the very best I could in every situation of my life with what I knew at the time. And that, you know, uh, allows the guilt to dissipate and can create, um, really good, energetic, positive changes for the prostate gland. Mm
4: -hmm.
0: Okay? And and if he indeed has the gland still. Um, But, uh, yeah, that's what I would recommend that that he does. Great.
4: Okay, Okay? thank you so much. Thank you. Have a beautiful day. Sure. Sure.
0: So, Bill, I have a question for you, because, you know, working with um, as many people as you have, and, of course, with uh, experiments as well, um, do you believe that there's also a time when people are meant to go, you know, like I, I think that some for some people, because the only way we get out of our body is to diet you know, in terms of our consciousness. We don't know how to walk out of it yet and just go into the next dimension. You know, we're not that aware as of yet. And so sometimes disease is about how to get to the next place. Do you um, what do you think about that?
3: I, I think there's there's clearly a process of dying. And, um, I mean, I, I, I think I can detect it. Um, mm-hmm. It doesn't seem subtle to me. I actually smell it.
4: Uh-huh. Um,
3: and I, I think uh, reasonably strongly that uh, once the process of dying has begun, that um, it ought not to be reversed.
0: Ah, very interesting, very interesting.
3: So I've done this with mice, and I've seen it in people. Wow. Uh, so uh, an anecdote from first mice, uh, we had uh, some mice that were not treated by us uh, that were on the very, very, very last stages of dying.
0: Wow. I
3: mean, you know, they were they, they were not expected to last the hour. And wow. And so arrogant, crazy me uh, <laughs> decided to take those mice and, and, and just treat, treat their brains out.
0: Wow. You know wow.
3: I treated them hour after hour after hour after hour, into a state of total exhaustion on my part. And it, in fact, the mouse would not—the mice would not die. Aww. But it was—it was—it was. I mean, after I don't know how many how many hours of treatment of keeping the you know, I became obsessed with it. Um, <laughs> that and and I was clearly deteriorating as a result of it. Uh, not good for the I, healer. I,
0: I, I, <laughs> no,
3: no, this was this was one of my whoopses, uh, and then finally I said, you know, what are you doing? You know, I mean, I hadn't thought it through, and this is crazy. First of all, by keeping the mouse alive, in effect, I was torturing it, oh. uh, and I and I was doing this to what end? You know, and, right. and so I just I I, I said stop. And, and they all died within uh, 15 minutes.
0: because they needed to go. They needed to cross they over to, to go, the other yeah. side. Wow.
3: And I was the unnatural screw-up <laughs> in, in this whole thing. And well, I think you can do the same thing with people. There's I, I, I have.
0: I have my own oops um, that, yeah, that I've yeah. done, you know, where I've, I've really worked on keeping someone here when, it, by all accounts, they were clearly ready to go, even though they were not saying that at all. Um, yeah. In fact, they were scared to death and wanted to stay, according to everything that came out of their mouth. But in truth, um, they really did want yeah. to go. Yeah. Yeah.
3: So, there's a process. I there think. is. It the starts. I think. I think it, that you ought not to try to reverse it.
0: I agree. I completely agree. We're we're talking with Bill Bankston. He is the author of the Energy Cure. He's a professor at Saint Joseph's University in New York. We're going to take a break, and we'll be right back.
2: Become a Reiki Master the weekend of October 5th through October 7th at the Redmond Town Center Marriott. This two and a half day transformative workshop is open to all levels of experience and will certify you in Reiki 1, 2 and 3. You will learn to move energy within the body by practicing on other workshop participants. Marie will be your instructor, guiding you with her own symbolic sight and providing constructive feedback. Take this opportunity to fulfill your dreams of becoming your very own certified Reiki Master. You will receive attunements that allow to practice Reiki at the master level and information on the laws that govern professional practice in Washington State. Enrollment is limited. Please call 425-825-5671 or visit Marie's website, energyintuitive.com for more details. Are you interested in learning more about intuitive healing? Want to learn how to interpret your body's messages for greater health and well-being? Please join Marie as she teaches her very first international workshop in beautiful Vancouver, British Columbia. Intuitive Health is a a two-and-a-half-day workshop beginning October 26th through the 28th at Hollyhock, Vancouver. Marie believes that everyone has the capacity to receive, interpret, and successfully use their senses to heal. Find out more at www.hollyhock.ca. Manson Mitchell welcomed Frank Fischino on Friday morning at 10 to talk about the Flatwoods Monster.
1: This legendary case of a landed UFO and a terrifying alien encounter happened 60 years ago in rural Braxton County, West Virginia, and yet has eluded the publicity that surrounds Roswell.
2: But it's every bit as mysterious, and Frank Fischino has the story based on decades of research.
1: That's Manson Mitchell Friday at 10 a.m. and the best of Manson Mitchell Saturday at 11 on Alternative Talk 1150 KKA. Bringing you fresh
0: perspectives every day. Alternative Talk, 1150 AM. And welcome back to the Marine Menu Cherry Show. Talking about fresh perspectives, we're going to be having encores of this show at 9 a.m. on Thursday mornings. So you'll be able to listen to me twice a day. I will still do live shows on Thursday, although occasionally I'll sneak in and do a live show at 9 a.m. And that is starting next week. So you'll be able to listen to us at 9 in the morning and noon on Thursday starting next week, which is kind of exciting. We're looking forward to that.
1: Yeah. Spread the love.
0: Spread the love. (laughs) That's
4: exactly
0: right. So I'm talking to Bill Bankston. He's the author of The Energy Cure. And you know, I found out about your book because we're both authors of sounds true um which i think is a fabulous publishing company and and they know i do radio shows of course so they send me books and go how about this one um and they sent me your book um last operation oh i know aren't they wonderful yeah that's a nice it's a nice group oh yeah i just feel blessed um to have them so we're going to go ahead and go back to the phone lines and who do we have eric
1: let's talk to angela calling from los angeles
5: Hi, Angela. How are you? Hi. Um, I actually spoke with um, you last, last time Bill was on. Oh, there. really? So you already first. talked yeah. to him? Yeah. <laughs> so it was like earlier, I think it was in March or maybe February. But um, yeah, I read his book and it's good stuff. <laughs> so I, and I also want to thank you both for the work that you do. It's definitely, I feel, help humanity. Um, but oh, on to my question. Oh, okay. Yes. Um, My question, I actually have been working on my story, my For All Ages children's story, since I last received guidance from you last time I called, which was a few months ago. And I have a problem with, like, I have characters that I love, but they don't really have a goal. And I'd like my series to... I'd like m- what I'm creating to be a series, and with each episode containing teaching stories. I don't know. <laughs>
0: so, Bill, yeah. you probably love to write. I mean, as a professor, and and you do research, which takes a lot of writing. Do you have like a tool or some advice to a blooming author?
3: Well, uh, the, the the dictum for all writers is write what you love. Yeah. Uh, because if you're not vested in it, then it, it doesn't come. It, 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 if I write research and, and I write books and articles, you know, quite regularly, uh, and most of my stuff is written for people in, in academics, you know, so it's the kind of stuff nobody reads. <laughs> uh, it's written for other academics. Um, but if I'm writing something that I love and something that I, I feel passionate about, then it flows. Uh, when i've tried to write things that 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 i some stuff just doesn't flow at all
4: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so
3: i i mean that's a self-aware kind of a thing for example if i sat down and tried to write a a book of fiction uh i would probably just sit there and stare at a blank page because it turns out i don't have an imagination for fiction I, I can write up what happened in an experiment, and I can do all those other kinds of things, and I can write obviously my own memoir. But uh, I don't—that uh, wouldn't be my strength.
4: And
5: mm-hmm. so
3: my question is: Are you writing to your strength? That's all.
5: I—I I think I might be in my head uh, because I actually was going one way, and then I—I I had a problem with my sister, so then I had to rework some things and then take it into a little different direction. But I think this different direction is a good thing. It's just, I probably, I guess I'm kind of stuck in my head about making it good.
0: I think that Bill's talking about self-reflection is about where do I feel passion? What does it feel like so that you can identify it in your writing? You know, mm-hmm. and it's a, It really is a self-reflective thing. And it's something that we hope that we can learn to develop every single day in our lives so we can acknowledge it and recognize it in multiple aspects of our life. But um, to be able to notice it in your writing is key. And we're running out of time, Angela, so we won't be able to have um, any more conversation on it. Thank you so much for listening to the show and reading Bill's book. Um, we, and we wish you the best of luck as well. And thank you, Bill, for coming on the show again. Oh, my gosh.
3: You're very welcome. It was fun.
0: Yeah. And we wish you a fabulous, successful semester with um, what, um, what year are you teaching?
3: Uh, I'm, I essentially only teach uh, seniors or graduate
0: students. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, so uh, you know a lot of these people, like you've been spending some time with them for a little while.
3: Oh, well, I'm not allowed to teach people in the lower grades. Ah. Apparently I scare them somehow. I don't know. So.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, with your graduate so, students, then you are spending some time with them. Them true yeah
3: so they're fun and uh, you know the seniors writing a thesis and all that kind of stuff are fun and, and uh, so we have a good time
0: wonderful and thank I you. know that you're welcome I know that you're working on grants for more research and all of us and myself included um, wish you the best of luck because we would love to see more research in energy healing and of course we look forward to reading future books that you may write about it so thank you so much for what you do thank you all righty have a beautiful day And I want to thank everybody for listening to the show. Again, you can hear an encore of this show Thursday at 9 a.m. And you will hear an encore of another show, actually, at noon next week because I'm going to be in Boston at the Trident Bookstore giving a talk on September 11th at 7 p.m. Then I will be in New Hampshire giving workshops at Squam. You can find all of this on my website at energyintuitive.com. Joyful blessings. Bye-bye. Making contact with your spirit guides is just the first step on an extraordinary path of discovery. This is Marie Manucherry, the host of Where Energy and Medicine Meet, airing Thursdays at noon. My six-CD lesson program, How to Communicate with Your Spirit Guides, offers essential training on how to deepen this magical relationship. Don't forget to tune in on Thursdays at noon for the Marie Manucherry Show.